Hey, Justin here with Stay at Home Dads Podcast. Welcome to the show where I talk about a lot of different aspects that go on in my stay at home dad life. Things with my kids, my family, parenting struggles that I have, parenting tips I come across, men's mental and physical wellness, as well as some other stories and topics that I hope interest you in some capacity. So thank you for tuning in today. Thank you for sitting in with me. So A few updates. I know last week I took a week off and I mentioned that we took our RV out. We just bought an RV. If you haven't listened to some other episodes, we're first time RV owners. So we took it out Memorial weekend, went to a nice resort up in Northern Indiana. It was actually called Jellystone. If you know anything about, who is it? Yogi Bear and all that stuff. Well, we went to this themed kind of RV park up there. And it was a lot of fun. The kids had a great time. They had plenty of activities for us to do. My girls really enjoyed it. They liked riding in the RV. They liked camping in the RV. And we got a lot of bonding time in. Plus, this park was actually really cool. There's water parks and arcades and boat rentals and mini golf. There was lots of stuff to do. So we were quite busy. And actually, the RV stuff was pretty easy, too. The setup was easy. The teardown was easy. Everything went off without a hitch for us first-timers, so it it wasn't too bad. That was until we go to leave, and we go to dump what they call the dirty water tanks on an RV, if you're not familiar. They have a black tank, and they have a gray tank, and that's where the used water goes. I'm not going to explain it much more. And then you go to a station, and you dump those out. And actually, the dumping went fine. You just pull some valves, you hook up some hoses, pull some valves, and do all that stuff. But we go to use this feature on my motorhome, my RV, that is known as a tank flush. And you just hook a hose up to it and rinse your tanks out. Well, that's where we had an issue. That's where we had a problem. I hooked it up, I turned it on, kind of slow because, you know, first timers here. And then all of a sudden, maybe about 30 seconds, I noticed drips coming from the underside of the RV where you typically wouldn't see water coming from. It was kind of alarming. So I shut the hose off, went around inside, looked inside, saw water on the floor. And I was like, oh no. So I rush into the door and I run to the back and it's flooding out of the bathroom. There's literally water coming out of the bathroom on the floor. It's leaving a nice six inch wide stream all the way across the RV. My kids didn't notice it. They were sitting in there. They didn't see it because it was apparently quiet. And they were involved in in playing and doing stuff, watching TV. And there was all this water. Now, I don't want to say like all this water, and I'm not wanting you to think that it's a geyser in there. It was probably only a few gallons, maybe three, maybe two of clean water. Now, it wasn't like dirty or doo-doo water, anything like that. It was clean water from that tank flush The tank flush was not doing what it was designed to do, and instead it was spraying out from underneath a cabinet in the bathroom and leaking all over the place. So I freak out. I get all the towels, and I start mopping up all the the water on the floor and clean it all up as best I could. And then we say, okay, that's good. We got a a two-and-a-half-hour drive home. We call the dealer. We call our salesman, who we bought it from, immediately. And he says, yes, we can, you know, you just bought it. We can take it in. We'll get it figured out for you. Get it here as soon as possible. So the following day now, it's Memorial Day, we call 9 o'clock, we get an appointment, we get it dropped off. And when we get there, the guy kind of checks it out. And now he says, oh, yeah, there might be some water damage in here from flooding it. And, uh, yeah, there's some problems. We'll get it figured out. I said, well, 
that's great to know that we have this hot rod extended warranty that we bought, right? Like we bought the RV, we're first timers. We're like, hey, let's do our due diligence. Let's pay for this extra warranty, which was, you know, cost some money, but we figure it'll cover us, right? Well, the service rep goes, oh, actually your extended warranty doesn't cover flood damage. So we are like, oh my God, like I'm so pissed off now. I'm still pissed off about it. And it's been over a week. I'm just so frustrated and oh, like you have no idea. I'm just, you know, this is the first time, like the first time we have used this thing and we get screwed. And we, we told another guy, we told a guy at the dump station how, what we were doing. And he said, your guys are doing everything correctly. He thinks a valve had failed. This is before we brought it to the dealer. And so he said, you guys are good. You, you didn't do anything wrong. You did exactly what you're supposed to do. There's something that's wrong with your RV. So it's just like the first time we use it and this is what happens. So I told the dealer, I said, you guys should be paying for this since this is the first time we've actually used it. Right. And you guys stated before we bought it that, hey, we check out all our units. We check them out top to bottom when we get them in and before we sell them. So everything is good to go. Well, clearly not because now we're dealing with this huge mess and hopefully not this huge bill, but we will see here in the next few days. So I don't know. It's just frustrating. Puts a sour taste on my mouth with all this, you know, and it just kind of in my mind, it just goes to show that you can't trust anyone. You can't trust businesses anymore when you're spending even tons of money. You're spending a lot of money and you think you're going to be taken care of and customer service just sucks. So what would you do? Do you just bite the bullet and when they say, hey, it's time to pay, you just pay it? Or do you throw a Karen, you throw a Ken and you freak out until they make it right? Like, I don't, I, that's typically not me. If you've listened to my other shows about being assertive and, and speaking my mind, it's not my strong suit. So, you know, what do I do? How am I supposed to test an RV as well when we bought it in March? And there is literally snow on the ground here in Indiana in March when we bought this. It was snowing. So how am I supposed to dewinterize an RV, test it? Hopefully nothing goes wrong with the cold below zero or below freezing temperatures and then re-winterize it for a month. You know what I mean? It's just, it just doesn't make sense. And the part that just bothers me too is we pay for this extra warranty thinking we're really covering ourselves and apparently it doesn't cover anything. And it just, I don't know, it just seems like honesty and good salespeople are few and far between anymore in today's age. It's just about selling. It's just about selling and making money and getting the sale. And, uh, you know, there's no more customer loyalty, I guess. I don't know. Anyways, we'll, we'll uh, wait and see, see what happens. So, all right. So enough of that because I'm just going to get more pissed off. So on to my main topic of today. And by the title of today's episode, you already know. So I want to let a question stew with you for a bit. Here's my thoughts. Handing a phone to a kid is like giving them the keys to the city, right? It unlocks any door, they can go anywhere, and they can do anything. So what is the appropriate age to do so? What's the appropriate age to be like, here you go, little Bobby, here's a phone, right? While you think about that, though, I want to tell you a little story that I came across about a young gentleman up in Michigan. It's not a new story, 
probably came out a month ago, maybe a little more than a month ago, but I'm just now hearing about it. So let me paint this little picture for you and then let you think about it. So you're a student and you're on a bus and you're headed home from school just like any other day. Bus is lumbering along. You don't really think much about it. You're not thinking about anything. You just want to get home, have yourself a snack, go play with some friends, go do whatever, right? Well, while the bus is driving down the road, you notice the bus starts swerving all over or acting erratic. And then when you look up at the driver and you see that they're passed out or they're incapacitated and not even in control of the bus, what do you do? First off, do you even notice? Do you even notice that scenario taking place if you're just a kid on a bus? Do you freak out? Do you take action? What do you do? Well, this story, this seventh grade kid in Michigan named Dylan, he did some pretty heroic stuff. He noticed what I just explained. He noticed the bus, you know, acting erratically, and he jumped up, grabbed the wheel, and slowed the bus down, essentially saving everyone from a potential devastating crash on a bus. It was a school bus full of kids. And this kid's, what, 12 or 13 years old, and he's just aware enough to see a problem and jump up and help. And... I don't know, that really impresses me. So in the video, I'll link it in the description. There'll be in the links, um, this little video in this article, and you can watch it yourself. It's kind of interesting. You see this video, bus is going on the road and the driver radios in, right? He says, hey man, I'm not feeling good, feeling dizzy, feeling tired, whatever. I need to be relieved or I need to pull over or whatever. And then all of a sudden he passes out and he lets go of the steering wheel and he kind of stares off. It's almost like he's having a stroke or heart attack or something like that but less than 10 seconds later you see this kid come into frame grabs that steering wheel like i said hits the brakes puts it into park like stops the bus and then screams at all the kids like hey call 911 like something is seriously wrong here so the reason i kind of bring this up and how this ties into my initial question is why was dylan the only kid that had that situational awareness to notice something wasn't right and then actually jump up and take action and jump up and do something about it. And I'm not even really talking about that point. That point is pretty impressive alone that he saw a problem and he jumped up to do something. I mean, a lot of people, even adults, will see something going down and they have that bystander effect almost. You know what that is? The bystander effect is where you see something, you see a car on fire, you see a whatever happening and you're like, oh, someone else has called 911 or oh, somebody else is running in there to save somebody. You think someone else is going to do it, which sometimes, yes, that's true. But sometimes everyone has this bystander effect and nobody's doing anything. And that's actually another side story that an old friend of mine had happened to him. He was driving home, saw a car on fire down in a ravine, pulls over and there's like 10 people watching this car on fire. So he had assumed that someone called 911 and he runs down to the car because these people are all just watching and the car bursts into flames even more so. And he could see like a body in there. It was kind of crazy. He could see someone in there. So he crawls back out and he keeps driving home. Well, on his way home, he passed this little fire station that was up the highway and all the doors were shut and there was no action going on. So he pulls over and pounds on the door, and he says, hey, had, did anybody call you? And they're like, no, nobody's called us. And he's like, oh, my gosh, like, people said they called you guys. There's a fire, there's a car on fire, and there's people inside it, like, just down the highway. So then, of course, the fire department jumps up, and they do their thing and take off. But 
yeah, that's that bystander effect. At least that's how I think it is. I haven't looked that up or anything, but that's just in my recollection anyways. All right, so back to my initial story. So why was Dylan the only kid that actually did something? Well, in this article, they stayed in there, which is no surprise that a majority of the kids on the bus were preoccupied. They were engrossed in their devices. Other students actually admitted that they had headphones on and they were listening to music or they were looking at their phones and social media. They were playing little games and all that stuff, which is fine. It's totally fine. I don't want to berate kids for doing something that everyone does. It's a normal behavior. Hell, I mean, even I do it myself. All adults do it all the time, probably more than kids, because nobody is telling us to put our phones down or put our iPads away or tell us that we've had enough screen time. So we do it whenever the hell we want. So we're probably worse than the kids are. But that's sadly a normal activity for humans to do anymore just to make the time go by, to consume some content and just be entertained for the 20-minute bus ride home or when you're waiting at the doctor's office or whatever it may be. And, I mean, we've all seen the videos, right? We've seen the videos on, on uh, America's Funniest Home Videos or whatever, people on their phones, and then they unknowingly walk into a water fountain and ass over tea kettle, there they go, and they're, they're wet. Or I think I saw one where a lady w- stepped in an open manhole, which... Sounds kind of funny, but seems very catastrophic. Potential danger there a lot. Or some other, you know, half hilarious thing. Someone walks into wet concrete or something like that because they're preoccupied on their phone and we kind of laugh at them and whatever. Yes, that happens like all the time, right? Because we're not paying attention. We're not aware of the space around us. So everyone's in their own little bubble doing their own thing. But what is Dylan doing in this situation? He wasn't on a phone. His parents won't allow him to have a phone. He was paying attention to his surroundings, like I said. And according to Dylan's dad, Steve, he said, quote, What else are you going to do when you don't have a phone? You're going to look at people. You're going to notice stuff. You're going to look out the window. He says it's a very powerful lesson and maybe even a change the world type of lesson. And I would totally agree with that. It's a great lesson for his kid. And his kid did something amazing when he wasn't preoccupied on a phone. So the whole point here is why I bring all this up and I'm talking about this at probably an annoyingly long time is kids and phones and even adults and phones. I mean, we're just as bad. And I don't want to, like I said, I don't want to dissuade and paint this picture that technology and phones are terrible and they're like some crack cocaine addictive thing that needs to be abolished and and put away from everyone's lives. Like, no, I'm not talking about that. Yes, it is addictive though. I do understand that. But I really think this kid's dad, old Steve, has a great point. And I think we could all kind of learn from it. What are you doing when your face is not sucked into a phone? You're paying attention to the world around you. You're people watching. Maybe you're actually talking to people. Maybe you're having conversations instead of having conversations and multitasking, half-assed conversations, that is, when you're trying to read and respond to texts. I know we've all had those conversations with our friends. They're typing and you're talking and you know they're not absorbing a thing you're saying, right? It's super frustrating. And especially from the kids' aspect. We want them to experience what's around them as well, like this kid. 
use their imaginations and admire the little things in life. And I know I'm sounding very, I don't know, is that philosophical or whatever, and I'm preaching, but maybe I am. I don't know. I know I've talked about a lot of device talk and cell phone talk and, and all that on this show before, but I'm hammering away at it again, right? Now, I know the kids on the bus could have been in deep conversation with their friends and not been on a phone and still not paid attention to the bus driver having a stroke or whatever he was having. I mean, that's what most kids tend to do. They're not paying attention to everything around them. They're not that aware. So maybe this Dylan kid is a prodigy in that aspect where he's very, you know, focusing on a lot of other things, maybe. I don't know. So I'm not going to go through the whole pro and con thing of phones, right? Just kind of rinse and repeat of what I've been doing the last couple of weeks. I know that probably gets a little boring, so I'm not going to do that. We all know the benefits of a phone, right? We all know those benefits. I'm not going to list them. That'd be kind of silly. I mean, we don't live in 1995. We don't have a corded phone on the wall that's uh, in our living room, and we stretch it 22 feet to get some privacy, right? We're not living the Amish life. I don't need to hand write a letter and then pass it over to Jebediah so he can write it over to my friend's house, Paul Revere style, and hand it to him to see if he wants to go get a beer later. Like, we don't live in those times. We're not dealing with that. So I'm not going to go down that road. But I do want to talk about a few facts, weigh my thoughts a little bit, and mention one particular study about the potential negative effects that can that phones can have on our kids, as well as what age is really appropriate for a kid to have a phone. So that's what we're going to do. And according to the Kaiser Family Foundation, I'm assuming that's some sort of survey place, they say 31% of 8 to 10-year-olds and almost 70% of 11 to 14-year-olds have cell phones. 31% of 8 to 10-year-olds, that's my daughter's age. She's eight and a half. And that, I mean, do we consider her little gizmo watch a phone? So if that's the case, maybe I'm part of the problem, but I'm thinking not. I'm thinking more like full-blown iPhone 12, which I've seen that. I've seen children younger than a teenager with a nicer phone than me. I find that quite, I don't know, astonishing that a 12-year-old has a $1,000 phone in their pocket. It blows my mind. But anyways, yes, a lot of kids have phones, so I think there's plenty of concern here in my opinion, to kind of go through this. So what are some negative effects here? Well, we know the effects phones have on our mental health as adults, right? But they play a big role in the rise of depression and anxiety among kids as well. Like, you know, what do we do when we're on our phone? We compare ourselves to others. We focus on what we don't have. So the kids are going to focus on what they don't have. The kids are going to focus on what they don't look like. They are going to just constantly consume content, and that has a huge impact on their self-esteem and their life satisfaction because they're always going to be judging themselves to what they're seeing. As well as you get into the texting part and you get into other kids at school and you get into cyberbullying and you get into some of those other problems that can arise. It, it leaves you, I know I've said this before, but it leaves you in constant contact with everybody. So you're always going to get a barrage. You're never going to be able to get away from some of that. If, you, if you're being bullied or if you're being treated a certain way at school, it's not going to end when you leave school because you're going to get it on a phone. Make sense? 
And I think, too, how easily this stuff can become an addiction. And typically we always talk about addictions as being drugs or alcohol or gambling. But technology addiction is a thing. And I don't know if it's not been talked about a ton. I know I've mentioned it here and there. I mean, we as adults, we can't put our phones down half the time. Now imagine having a young, malleable mind of a child that doesn't understand other priorities and taking care of other things. They're never going to put it down. And then using a phone on the daily from the age of like 9 or 10, they're growing up with this constant in their lives. It's always there. It's always within reach. So that's just more of a reason for us to really limit what they use and how they use it. Phones also affect how kids learn today, too. I mentioned this before as well. I know I'm just repeating myself, but kids' test scores were actually better when the phone wasn't just not being used or put away, but when it was completely out of sight. They still had a problem with it if it was just, you know, put in the corner of their desk and put away like that, which I find crazy. If it was in within a line of sight, they still had a problem and their test scores reflected it. And then this opens up, you know, the whole debate as to where phones should be allowed in schools or not and having them. And especially in today's age with emergencies and, and bad stuff going on, it is kind of good for them to have access to a phone and be able to call for help or be able to call a loved one or whatever. But if it's affecting how they absorb knowledge, then it's kind of a different story. It's just too big of a distraction that even seeing it, they are sitting there and they're constantly wondering if they're going to miss something, if someone's going to text them, or if someone's going to post a meme or whatever. But the thing is, is that stuff will always be there. The texts and the memes and the dumb makeup tutorial or the guy falling off his skateboard will always be there. It's not going anywhere whether you check your phone in 10 seconds or in every hour. And I'm actually looking at some stats that Americans check their phones anywhere from 58 to 96 times a day. Now, think about the fact that we are usually only awake for, what, 16 hours a day? That's a lot of phone checking in there, right? That's, that's kind of wild. Another potential negative effect is the long-term damage that can happen to their eyes. This is something that's kind of up for debate as I was reading it with the association between phone use and kids' vision problems. They say it's kind of inconsistent, but I still think it's something that should really be on our radar. The thought is that excessive phone use in kids can cause myopia, which is nearsightedness. And actually, it's probably from them sitting too damn close to the screen. If your kids are anything like mine, for some odd freaking reason... They want to have the screen, whether it's an iPad or a phone, four inches from their face. I have no idea why. Even when I show my daughter something on my phone, I'm like, oh, hey, look at this picture of whatever, an animal. They'll look at it, but then they'll get closer and closer and closer to where their nose is almost touching it. It's like they want to crawl right in the screen. And then I'm like saying, hey, back up a little bit. I can't even see it now because your head is right in front of the screen. It's just, I don't know. I don't understand it. Do your kids do that? Wild. Anyways, according to this article on Center for Sight, they say that the average age when kids are using screens has fallen over the past decade from three to five years to now it's down to 12 to 18 months. So now we're talking like babies because you know how all these parents are just giving their kids these phones to essentially leave them alone for a little bit while they 
cook dinner or go out to eat or do whatever. So they're handing these little 12 and 18 month old kids a phone and uh, it's not a good habit to get into. And the reason they say that is because kids around that two to three range still have their retina developing in their eye, I guess, and prolonged usage of bright lights has a chance of affecting their vision, potentially damaging the retina. So there is good reason not to let your kids stick the screens directly in front of their noggins, okay? This article says that a good rule to follow is the 20-20-20 rule, which is every 20 minutes, look at an object that's roughly 20 feet away for at least 20 seconds to relax the eye and relax the associated muscles. And I think this is something adults could do as well, maybe give you less eye strain, especially if you're working on a computer all the time at work, something like that. So I don't know, not a lot of data out there, but for sure something that I think we should be thinking about. All right, now this last one that I will mention, and this is kind of the one that got my whole thoughts going in my head about this thing, and that's the correlation between teen and tween cell phone use and suicides. Scary, right? You just hear that word with young people, and it kind of freaks you out, right? My daughter's almost nine years old, so she's getting right up into this range, and it really concerns me. Now, we read a headline like that or an article like that, and of course, it freaks us out, right? We're like, oh my God. But what does it really mean? Well, this study that I'll link in the description here, they did a study on kids 9 to 11, and then they followed it up two years later. And the study had 11,633 participants, and they reported an average of four hours per day of screen time. And then they followed up two years later. And... 1.38% of the sample reported at least one suicidal behavior, and each additional hour of screen time was prospectively associated with a 1.09 higher odds of suicidal behavior at that two-year follow-up. Does that make sense? Did I convey that correctly? But that, I don't know, that seems... Initially, I was like, oh, well, 1.3% is pretty low, if I'm reading this correctly. That doesn't seem too high, but you take 1.83% of 11,633, and that's 160 kids. And then it's like, when I put it in those terms, it is quite alarming to me. That's, That's a lot of children that are having these thoughts, if I'm reading this correctly. So that means 160 of these kids had at least one suicidal behavior, right? Or suicidal thought. And yeah, that's, I don't know, it, it just makes me sad. You know, it does. And in this study, it was shown that texting and then video chatting and then playing games were the top contributors here. Social media wasn't even showing any effect, most likely because kids in this age range, they shouldn't be or they can't be on social media at this point because they're 9 and 10 and 11 and 12, right? And typically you have to be 13 to be on social media. So that is probably why social media didn't really play a role here. So why does it increase with use? Well, this article, another article I found, I know you love it, from University of California, San Fran, says time spent on screens displaces time spent on person-to-person socialization. Plus it cuts into physical activity, cuts into sleep, all of which are good for your mental health, right? So that screen time is cutting into your person-to-person time. It's cutting into your sleep. And we know how all those different things really are associated with good mood and good mental health. 
And you know, the thing is, is this will all just kind of compound as our kids get older as well. When they get into those teen years and they get a little older, I think these issues have the potential to just keep getting worse and worse and the percentages are just going to keep getting higher. So, you know, this is honestly where we need to make sure that we are stepping in. We are setting some sort of limits. We are coming up with other things for our kids to do instead of rot their brains on a phone or on a screen for hours a day. And I'm not going to point fingers. I am to blame as well. I let my kids use a shit ton of iPad the other day and I didn't feel good about it, but I did it. You know, sometimes it happens, but I think if we lay down the track to teach our kids good habits with electronics and phones and things like that, I think that will go a long way. And I don't know about if your kids are the same, but when my kids are on screens like that for an extended period of time, attitudes are shit. They seem like they're more irritable. They're more emotional. They are, do I want to say harder to parent almost. And it's kind of crazy that it just happens like that from a screen. So I just think it's something that we really need to be mindful of. And also, I want to mention our behavior. Our behavior has a huge impact on our kids. So the biggest thing we can do is model a good relationship with our phones. So then our kids are seeing that from us and being like, oh yeah, my dad's not on his phone all the time. Or he can easily put it down to play with me or to talk to me and don't do that multitasky stuff that we complain about, if that makes sense. All right, last thing I kind of want to mention is this clip. Let me find it. I came across it the other day and I thought it was pretty interesting. It's from this Dr. Rangan Chatterjee off of Instagram, I found it. And it just kind of makes a lot of sense. It kind of ties in with all of this. And I think it's more of a point for us as parents or as adults, more so than kids. But I think, I don't know. Let me know what you think. 15 years ago, you go into any coffee shop in London. You're standing in the queue. There might be five people in front of you. Fine, you'll be looking around. You'll be, you might bump into someone you know. You might be daydreaming. Now what happens if you go into any coffee shop? Everyone's head down, stuck in their phone. You're trying to catch up with your emails, just have a quick cheeky look on Instagram. I'm not criticizing anyone for doing that. But that comes at a cost. It means these little micro moments of downtime where your brain is trying to solve problems for you and process life, they're being lost. If you're constantly consuming, mm. right? If you're constantly consuming content from outside, whatever it is, even good content, even nourishing content, if you're constantly consuming, you're not allowing your own thoughts, emotions to come up. I don't know. What do you think of that? I think it's pretty spot on. I think we've stopped, you know, and I, I don't want to just make it sound like, oh, we've stopped people watching and striking up conversations, which is true. We have, you know, we've stopped being aware in favor of sucking up all this content on our phones. And that's funny how he mentions like, we're not allowing our brain to process things. It's like, you never have the time to kind of clear your mind and clear out your thoughts and I don't know if any of that makes sense. That sounded like a god-awful ramble, but anyways, interesting little thing there. I thought I would share it with you. And the other thing that I thought of too after that clip was when we're looking at social media or we're doing something on our phones and we're seeing everybody else's lives, right? We're constantly consuming, like that guy said in the clip. And in a way, don't you think, at least I think that you lose a bit of your own identity that way. And I know that sounds a bit extreme, so maybe it's not identity, but you lose some of your own 
ideas, your own creativity, because you're always being influenced by everyone else's things you see. And I mean, I know everything in our lives. We're influenced all the time by our environment and with things we buy and things we see other people with, right? It all influences us. But I think that constant intake of other people's ideas and lives really kind of extinguishes in a way our own thoughts and our own genuine ideas. Does that make sense? I don't know. Remember, I'm not a psychologist or a sociologist or a doctor or a famous podcaster. I'm none of those things. I just have random thoughts and I share them. So anyways, I thought that was just, you know, another layer there. Also, real quick, because I'm really running kind of long here, is when is the right time for a phone and a kid? Well, poking around on the internet, they say eighth grade. So that's what, around 13 years old, somewhere in there. But ultimately, it's really up to you, the parent. I mentioned before, I mentioned in this show even, my oldest daughter has a little gizmo watch, a little wearable. She's almost nine, and she can call me, and she can text me. She can call my wife. She can text her. So I don't think I would really consider that a phone. She can't, you know, text friends. She's not getting social media on it. She's not calling whoever she wants. It's more of a safety thing, a cordless leash, kind of, in a way. So I'm not really worried about that. But would I give her a smartphone next year? Hell no. Would I give her one when she's 12? Hell no. I think it just kind of opens a can of worms like I've been talking about all day. So, you know, ultimately it's up to you. I think I think teen years, maybe when kids are driving, might be a decent time to get a phone so you can... Well, still even, they don't really need to... That's even worse. Maybe that is worse. Why would I give a kid a phone when they can drive? Because now they're going to search on their social media, whatever it is at that time, and they're going to try to drive a car. Like That sounds like a terrible combination. Why would I say that? Anyways, yeah, I don't know. It's uh, up for debate. I know that. But anyways, that's about all I have for today's episode of Stay Home Dad's podcast. Just, you know, some thoughts and some things I came across and I thought it was worth talking about and sharing with you. So all in all, let's just try to keep our kids off the phones, off the devices, keep them using their imaginations, keep exposing them to things around them and things outside and doing stuff with friends and uh, keep them aware of their surroundings. Maybe it'll save their lives one day. I don't know. Anyways, if you liked today's episode or if you have any questions or comments for me, please ask away over on podbean.com or hop over to the Stay at Home Dads Instagram page, which is at stayathomedads underscore podcast. Also, if you think anyone would enjoy my show or enjoy any aspect of it, please tell a friend, tell a pal that they can listen anywhere they get their podcasts. All right. Thanks again for listening, and I will talk to you all next week.